Hey everyone, welcome back to season two of Radically Normal, where we're going to be diving into the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be calling our time in Mark, The King and the Cross. And so as we dive in, we just hope you really love the season, and we can't wait to study and learn with you. What's up everybody? This is Andre, and I'm excited to start off season two. I'm sitting here with Michael, and we are ready to start going into Mark and a bunch of other things we have planned for the season. Yeah, we can't wait. So in season... <laughs> All right, well, if we leave this in, <laughs> Andre was talking, and or I was, who knows, and his whole mic setup, which is basically set up so that it comes down to his face, not upwards from the table, just came crashing down. Oh, that was... Almost spilled his smoothie. And... Wow. Really thick smoothie, by the way, Mike, but good job making it. That's what happens when you move stuff around and then try to set it all back up. But, you know, it's okay. It's all fixed now. Okay. So, okay. yeah, season two, Mark. Uh, we got a bunch <laughs> of other cool episodes planned. Uh, Mike, you want to tell a little bit about those without revealing too much? I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, so hopefully we have at least, if not quite a few more interviews as we did in season one. We're looking at getting some special guests on. And then we're looking at talking about different theological topics from God as the Trinity, Trinitarianism, Christology, Jesus' nature. And I'm sure we'll talk a bit about that as we dive into the gospel according to Mark. Might look at a little bit of Christian history or a figure in Christian history and a few other things that we're not going to give away at this point. So, And uh, I guess Nehemiah is still kind of fresh on our minds. Uh, we're going to get into Mike's history lesson here shortly. I know you guys are super pumped for that. I'm super pumped for that. Uh, but since the last time we had uh, Nehemiah until now, um, a bunch of time has passed, but chronologically, Nehemiah is the last thing that happened. So we might reference back to that a lot. So if you haven't listened to our first season, uh, feel free to go back and start listening to that if you have time or whatever. It was uh, pretty good. Uh, uh, we, we were really happy with how we improved during the season, and we hope to keep improving this season as well. For sure. So again, like Andre said, Mark's going to do a lot of his building of his of his story about Jesus and the Holy Spirit through Mark, uh, building on the foundation of the Old Testament with a lot of references. So if you think about Matthew, there's a lot of fulfillment citations pointing back to Isaiah and other Old Testament texts, and it's very obvious. Mark is not so obvious, and Mark does a lot of alluding back to, and it's kind of underneath the surface. And the reasoning for him is that a lot of readers at the time, they would have heard all of that and they would have they would have felt the weight of the text from the Old Testament bearing down on this person and work of Jesus Christ. So we're going to be talking a lot back to not necessarily Nehemiah, but definitely the Old Testament. Oh, for sure. And another interesting thing about this season is that Mike and I will both not be in, in uh, Carrollton anymore. Uh, we'll both be... Uh, just, you know, he'll be in school, I'll be at work. So this whole season, uh, we'll, we'll be kind of driving back and forth and doing most of recording here. But some of our interviews might be, will be far away. So there might be like some differences in audio and that kind of thing that we'll be working out as well. So we're just excited to like have a new challenge, have a new adventure with the podcast and just see where it goes. For sure. And I think a lot of listeners are glad maybe that they're out of a less comfortable book and into a more comfortable one. But I think that even as I've began to study Mark and think about Mark for the podcast, there's a lot underneath the surface that we're not usually hearing about that Mark is doing as he's presenting the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to us. So 
Should we dive in? Yeah, for sure. Maybe uh, I know you said you wanted to kind of give definition slash introduction to what a gospel is. Uh, I think that's pretty important and I think it's a really good idea. So why don't we start there? Exactly. So when we're, so there's two ways to think about gospel. So if you're thinking about the gospel, which is the story that all of, that all Christians find themselves in, that we've been, as uh, Paul would write to the church at Colossae, that we've been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. When we think about how we're fallen creatures and we've been redeemed by God's grace by putting our faith in Christ Jesus who died on the cross and resurrected from the grave for us and now our hope is in his return. If we're thinking about the gospel that we situate our stories in now by placing our faith in Christ due to God's grace, that's gospel lowercase g. Gospel uppercase g is the gospel accounts that you see in the Bible. So the gospel according to Matthew, gospel according to Mark, gospel according to Luke, gospel according to John. And there's other ones that are not included in the Bible that we don't find authoritative as Christians, gospel of Thomas and and other uh, texts that are Gnostic texts or other things. So gospel as as a word, the Greek euangelion, just means simply good news. And you've, you've probably heard that before, and it's true. The gospel is good news. And what's specific about that is that they're royal words about a king. And so in Old Testament or Jewish history, those were uh, words that were used about a king or something royal that was good. However, what's different is that in Roman times or in ancient Roman times, you would see that they would proclaim something good, say, about Caesar Augustus which was around the time of Jesus's birth, you would see something good about Caesar Augustus. Say if they had a newspaper back then, it would be written in the newspaper or on CNN about the good news, something that happened, they won a victory, but it'd be written as one piece of good news amongst many. So the economy is good is one piece of good news amongst many, if you're thinking about news today. So they would be writing about it in the plural, The gospel writers and in the New Testament always use gospel in the singular sense of this is the good news. So as we introduce and we begin to think about the gospel according to Mark, this is what Mark is saying is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is the good news, man. But you forgot the third gospel. Gospel music. Straight bops. Straight bops. Oh my gosh. We got to get somebody new on this podcast. So as we begin to look into Mark, in this episode, we're not going to be diving into chapter one. We might be referencing themes that become that start to become prevalent in chapter one, but we're just going to kind of give an intro, thinking about the author, the history, all of that sort of thing. And I thought it would bore people, but we had great reviews on Mike's history lesson from episode one of Radically Normal. And so I think we're going to do that again today, right? Yeah, for sure. We're going to do two minutes. If you think that's enough. Yeah, that should be good. And then we'll basically just let you uh, talk about what's happened in the past uh, 450 years or whatever uh, until the start of Mark. Okay, so here we go. So I will start my timer. So essentially, and this is to not be too fast or not not go through too much, in the mid-400s and around 445, somewhere between then and 433, the wall was finished in Nehemiah. And if you remember, Nehemiah had come from the Persian king, Artaxerxes. And the Persian Empire lasted around, till around 332 or 331 BC. The Persians had let the Jews practice their faith. Remember in Ezra, they'd been able to rebuild the temple. In Nehemiah, they rebuilt the wall. But then Persia was conquered by somebody you've probably heard of, even if you're not a history geek, Alexander the Great. 
He was known for spreading Greek culture everywhere. And he was a student, actually, and this is not a widely known fact. Alexander the Great was a student of Aristotle. So Alexander dies, and then he has a bunch of successors that eventually leads to Antiochus Epiphanes, who in 167 BC desecrated the temple, the Jewish temple, and brought in a pagan altar and made it unclean. And there was a Jewish revolt against this. So if you're familiar a little bit with the story of Hanukkah, or this is where all that sort of thing comes in. So there was the uh, Maccabean revolt where Judas Maccabeus led a revolt and this led to peace for the Jews and a restoration of the temple. And the main theme or core here behind that was uh, them being zealous for the things of God. They didn't want to participate in pagan religion. And then in 63 BC, Pompey of Rome, so now we've gone from the Persians to the Greeks to the Romans, Pompey conquered Israel, annexed it. And this led to King Herod's reign, who became king of Israel, a client king who you're probably familiar with from the gospel story in the New Testament. And so Herod basically carried out Roman rule in in the region of Judea. So he was a client king that had to have basically Roman authority behind him for all the things that he did. And it looks like it's been exactly two minutes. Couldn't have said it better myself, Mike. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's pretty good. Um, I think having a history of what's going on is a, like a really great place to start, especially because um, most people, including me, don't have that much background info on, on where we are, just like on historical, um, from a historical perspective. But aside from that, uh, what do you, you got anything on like Mark, Mark's author, uh, who Mark was written for, that kind of thing? Gosh, Andre's just dumping all the heavy questions on me today. So Mark is actually John Mark an interpreter or worker or assistant to Peter. Mark probably wrote the gospel, according to Mark, in Rome. And it's actually seen in in the New Testament that the early church probably gathered at Mark's mom's house uh, in Acts chapter 12. And in in the book of Acts, uh, Mark accompanies Barnabas and Saul on a missionary journey in Acts chapter 12 and 13, but he quits the journey. And Paul actually didn't find Mark very... Mark basically Paul didn't want to take Mark on the second missionary journey so Paul and Barnabas got into an argument about this and Barnabas ended up taking Mark and then so then you kind of think oh well can we trust our gospel writer is he really like that good of a follower if Paul didn't want him yes so in Colossians 4 Philemon 24 2 Timothy 4 we see texts that basically show Paul and Mark's reconciliation and we see that Paul has an overall good view of Mark. And the fact that Mark is an interpreter of Peter really lends a lot of account, uh, a lot of credibility to his account because Peter was basically Jesus's right-hand man. And due to some evidence in the text that's a little technical, we do have evidence that the gospel was probably written in the mid-60s AD, but it is possible that it was written prior to that. And this would have been around the time when persecution against Christians was uh, increasing due, due to the reign of an evil emperor in Rome named Nero. And it's very possible that since he was writing in Rome, his audience were Roman Gentiles, and these would have been non-Jews. And this is kind of clear at a few points because he does explain Jewish customs, and Jews, if they were reading it, wouldn't have needed that explanation. And then the next thing we, we, we want to do for an introduction episode is go over some themes, some main ideas of you know, what, what we're going to be seeing a lot of in, in the rest of uh, the, the chapters of Mark, I actually got the chance to just 
listen to an audio file of Mark just from start to end as I was driving. And I kind of just like made it really easy to like see a lot of the themes just like come to life as I was like listening to it. And one really cool thing about it was that like each different like character in the story had a different voice, including like Jesus, Peter, uh, all the people who were coming to, to, to wanting to see Jesus and wanting to be healed. Like everyone just had different voices and it just kind of just felt like this one big story. One interesting thing that I would say is probably like one of the biggest themes that I saw was kind of how Jesus would, he would perform miracles, but then he would tell people or tell the disciples or tell whoever, even tell the demons not to tell other people of what's going on and not to tell them of like what he's doing specifically. And he kind of just didn't want to that word to be spread. And for, I, I guess he didn't really want like a, a revolution. He didn't want to become like a revolutionary is what, what was what I was reading about as I was studying Mark. And I thought that was like really interesting how he just wanted to keep, keep it a secret kind of. And I thought that was a major uh, theme throughout all of Mark. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't, he wants to guard against, and we're going to look at this there. This happens multiple times, even in chapter one, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But Jesus wanted to hide against false conceptions or push back against there being false conceptions about who he is and who he would be and what he would do. Like you said, he didn't want to be a revolutionary. And a lot of Israel's idea of the Messiah did have to do with a political revolution. Another thing that's going on is the Holy Spirit and in, in Mark, Holy Spirit through Mark, inspiring Mark's words, is emphasizing actually that you you can't know the true nature of the Messiah until you see the cross. So as we go through Mark, there's this mystery on who the Messiah is and what he's doing. Another thing that's interesting about that is that you see when Peter identifies Jesus as the Christ, when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. And that's correct. But then you see Jesus begin to tell his disciples about his upcoming crucifixion and his death. And then Peter rebukes him. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You have your mindset on the things of man, not on the things of God. Because the thing of God, the things of God was the way of the cross. And Satan's way is a kingdom without a cross. But Jesus's way is kingdom through and on the cross. So Jesus is purposefully wanting to hide this idea of who he is because he doesn't want there to be false conceptions like Andre was expounding upon. And it just, it kind of goes hand in hand how Jesus kind of used parables a lot to explain uh, what was going on and to keep the mystery of it. And it just really highlights how Jesus understood that God had a plan for what needed to happen. Even as Jesus is about to be crucified, he, he prays to God and asks him if there's another way that, that, that this can be accomplished. But this whole time, he, he definitely could have like had the opportunity to like grow fame or whatever. And it probably would have been fine. He could have accomplished the same goal. But he, he knows he's doing God's will. He knows God's will is, is what he's going to accomplish. And that, that's why he, he's, he's keeping the mystery of it. And that's why he's keeping the, um, the, using the parables and, and that kind of thing in terms of who he is and, and what's going on. Exactly. So the, the parables were generally given to cloud the mystery of the kingdom of God, whereas we see that he ends up explaining like parable of the sower, that sort of thing with his disciples. He explains what the, what the parable means. So when we're thinking about his disciples and we're talking about how this discipleship and this kingdom th comes through crucifixion and suffering, 
we see how faith is tied directly to allegiance. So we might think of faith as being in the person of Jesus and allegiance as being some sort of political word. But we see in Mark how faith and allegiance and repentance and following are all tied together, such as in, in chapter one, when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. And then two verses later says, follow me. We see discipleship and we see the kingdom integrated. And then just going off of that, Andre talking about themes in Mark, we really see an idea of recreation. We're beginning thinking, we just had that episode last season with um, Mr. Snyder just talking about Genesis. That was such a privilege. We really loved that episode. Talking about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Now Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So this is a recreation story, and this is coming through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And one interesting thing that we were talking about before we started recording was how we're kind of like in this place where Jesus says the kingdom has come, but the crucifixion hasn't happened yet. And he's kind of explaining to them in different ways how uh, the example I think of is how before they couldn't eat certain things and Jesus tells them, no, you can eat, you can eat everything. You can eat of all these things, right? And he's, he's kind of changing their perspective on like, look, it's, this is how things were before. And now Jesus, is the new covenant, he's going to die on the cross and it's going to change how everything works. Exactly. So this is the upside down kingdom ethic. So it's at this point that we might want to talk about the kingdom of God. So when we're talking about the kingdom of God, there's a lot of definitions that go around. Jeremy Treat has a great simplistic definition. That's not simplistic in a bad way, but it's just simple. It's helpful. God's reign through God's people over God's place. And what's key about that is we see that us as people, as followers of Jesus, are servant kings. And this is different than God's sovereignty. So God's sovereignty is that he has control over all things and that he does as he pleases. God's kingdom is God's reign through God's people. And so that just like in, in Genesis chapter 1 with the cultural mandate, giving man and, giving man and woman dominion, He's exercising his reign through his people. And this is key as we begin to think about his presence because Jesus, and we're going to see this way later at the crucifixion when the curtain is torn, is basically saying the kingdom has arrived and it's arrived because I am the king and I'm in your midst. I think that just ties in really well with like kind of the last theme I had. I don't know if you have any other ones, but how all of Mark, it kind of just portrays how Jesus is, he's, he's man and he's God. Um, he has to endure temptation, but he, he also has complete authority over everything going on. And then at the end of the day, that that's what makes him, uh, be the ability to be the lamb for all of our sins, sins. Right. And that's just kind of the last big thing that I see. I think Mark just highlights throughout. Yeah. Just a couple things thinking about kingdom and Jesus's authority. So you talked about that, but it's easy for us to think, okay, if Jesus has all of that authority and I'm following him and I'm indwelt by the spirit today, where's that authority in sickness and in death? So there's a sense in which the kingdom has already arrived, where Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is at hand. He says in Luke 17, the kingdom of God is in your midst. But there's also a sense in which it's not yet here. In Acts 14, the apostles say, through many tribulations, you'll enter the kingdom of God. So we have this already but not yet uh, dual nature of the kingdom, and it's awaiting final consummation um, in the end times. So that's kind of like 
a multifaceted view of the kingdom of God. But when we're just thinking about that, I think like the kingdom today through Christ, as, as we have faith in him, it's that God is reestablishing his rule through human beings and particularly in the gospel of Mark through one human being. And what's interesting is we've been talking about going to the cross and, and Jesus taking this lowly way of the suffering servant is that the kingdom ethic is different. You think of the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor, uh, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn. Uh, and these are the people who will inherit the kingdom of God. This kingdom ethic is completely upside down of what you would expect. And I think, do you have any other themes or do you want to kind of move on from the whole theme idea? No, I think that's good. I think that that's really what Mark is trying to do in his gospel. And I think that that is, I think the kingdom and the cross are the, the integration of those two is the lens through which Mark is going to basically see, allow us to see Jesus in all of his glory. And the really awesome thing about Mark is just that, I guess any gospel account is just like you get to see uh, Jesus' ministry and then you get to see how how he makes everything he makes everything right and he gives us the ability to, you know, be justified for our sins and to have a relationship with God. And there's just, it's just so great to be able to like read that and, and see that and understand that and, and now to get to study that like together and for the podcast and all. Yeah, I can't wait. I really like that you said that because I think that one of the easiest pitfalls you can get when you begin to think about the kingdom of God and you think of atonement on the cross is you can think of these things in the very abstract, but you don't think about it in the devotional sense. And the idea that Mark is saying is not just that there's the kingdom, but that the kingdom has arrived in a person, that God's individual invitation to us is through the form of a human being who dwells in our midst and now indwells us via the Holy Spirit as Christians so that God's invitation is this person and we can't wait to study and learn about him with you. Sounds good. We hope you guys enjoy the season of Mark and can't wait to get back to you guys next week as we start to dive into chapter one. For sure. Thanks for tuning in to season two of Radically Normal and we'll talk to you soon.